0: what's up everybody we're back uh we're here to break down the spring games so we're gonna have a a little series of episodes each one breaking down one of the spring games for our teams and first up is clemson Clemson spring game breakdown episode. So Sam, tell me what you thought about that spring game.
1: Um. Well, I mean, you know, last time we saw Clemson, they were uh, getting sexually assaulted on national TV. Um, so I still, that still kind of haunts me. But um, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the things that were an issue in that game are going to continue to be an issue just on the lines of scrimmage uh, on both sides of the ball. I mean, the offensive line is, is my main concern just because you look at a subpar group uh, you have Jackson Carmen who just got picked in the second round, which probably a reach for what he is, but you know, not definitely a really good college offensive lineman. Um, So I think, you know, with the 2020 unit being below playoff caliber, the biggest thing there was having no depth. So as the season went on, we looked worse and worse a lot of weeks. Um, and I think, you know, Walker parks was a guy that was really the sixth offensive lineman. He came in and he played a lot of right tackle, a good bit of left tackle as well. Um, <clears throat> but he's gonna, he's gonna play mostly right tackle this year. Uh, Jordan McFadden, who was by far our most consistent offensive lineman, uh, probably doesn't have like the measurables and stuff to be, you know, like your prototypical tackle. Um, but, very technically sound. He's going to be a guy that you can move to the left side and not worry about DJ getting completely destroyed from a blind side. Um, so I think, you know, both returning – both guards are returning, uh, Matt Bockhorst and then Will Putnam at right guard. Uh, obviously, offensive line is a super developmental position because in recruiting guys are – you know, you're rated highly because you're big or because, you know, maybe you, maybe you have quick feet. But you don't – let's be honest, in high school, you're just bigger than everybody else. So it, it takes time for guys to learn how to actually go into pass sets, you know, really uh, pick up what the defense is doing and, and actually be good offensive linemen. Uh, so it's, you know, it's good that, you know, one of the early enrollees, uh, Marcus Tate, the big boy down there from Miami, um, he looked outstanding in the spring game. He was a guy that through the spring practices and stuff wasn't a name that we heard a lot. Uh, but, I mean, by far, was the best of the second group, offensive lineman, uh, playing left tackle. So, obviously, you know, Tristan Lee is going to come in this summer, five-star. Uh, so, hopefully, he can carve out a little niche, same way Walker Parks did coming in the summer last year. Um, so, if him and, and Marcus Tate can, can sure up uh, some backup spots at tackle, and then, you know, we obviously have a couple other guys, Paul Teo and, and Mason Trotter, that played a good bit toward down the stretch last year. Uh, hopefully, having those guys coming at depth pieces where we can where we can rotate and get more out of the starting group. That's that's my hope. Uh, to be honest with you, I don't expect this group to be, you know, a lot better than, than what they were last year. But hopefully, more depth equals you know, not having to worry about an injury completely derailing you. And then obviously, uh, if you can if you can mix in people, you're going to be better and, and continue to develop the position. But um, you know, and and defensive line, frankly. Is sort of the same thing. I feel I feel pretty confident with our starters, especially inside with Brian Bursey and uh, Tyler Davis. Because I mean, you, you look at the Ohio State game, we couldn't set the edge to save our life. There were a lot of plays where, you know, Tyler Davis is running up the middle, just bull rushing the Ohio State center. And Justin Fields just like steps to the left and then throws a bomb. And there's no one in the back end to stop it. So I think he and, and Brian Bercy in the middle are going to be really stout. Uh, Brian Bracy all all spring they were talking about he's he's finally starting to play a little bit more consistent, just showing up a lot. And whether that means he's that much better or our offensive line still sucks, uh, that's to be determined, I guess. Um, but really, for me, I'm more concerned about the the edge. Um, obviously, Xavier Thomas. He was he was available last year, but not uh, had COVID, and then weight got out of hand and and took him a long time to get back in. But honestly, you know, by the end of the season, he was, you know, he was a serviceable player. I don't know if he's ever going to get to that five-star, you know, that freak pass rush stuff we saw in 2018 where he came in and was just, just NASCAR off the edge because the the starting group in that year was so ridiculous that by the time he came in, he's working on a guy that's been getting his ass whooped for 45 minutes and he's just going to blow by him with a swim move or something. So, I, I think expectations for him have to be tempered. But if he can, if he can start and be serviceable for us, you know, provide any sort of pass rush, um, you know, be strong enough against the run, because I mean, he's going to be two hundred and fifty-five, two hundred and sixty some odd pounds. Uh, so hopefully, strength for him is not going to be the issue. Um, but if he can, if he can solidify one spot, that way we can have, you know, guys like KJ Henry and Justin Maskell, who frankly, to this point haven't shown me anything that that leads me to believe they're going to be anything more than a, a rotation player or a role player on the team. Uh, but if you can have those kind of guys coming in and, and, and rotating in, obviously, it's going to make the position as a whole so much better. Because on the other side, you have Miles Murphy, who last year, I mean, he, he as far as a freshman defensive end, you're at such a disadvantage because these guys are a lot older than you on the offensive line. They're a lot stronger than you. Kind of the way Brissett was, where you just, you just see him get worn down over the course of a game, and especially over the course of an entire season. But Miles Murphy is, if he can, if he can add a, a little bit of a pass rush element, he's, I mean, he's a beast, point point blank. Uh, so, I think if, if Xavier Thomas is sort of the wild card here, because if he can, if he can be serviceable, our starting defensive line, the front four, are going to be really good. Uh, And I think the one of the things that's held us back the last couple of years is we haven't had any depth at defensive tackle. So we've gone in a lot of, you know, three down fronts, running three, three fives with an extra linebacker or an extra safety or something on the field. And it's just sort of a disadvantage because, I mean, you think about the dominant defense as Clemson has had in the past decade. It's because we got four dogs up front rushing the passer. You have one or two good corners, but because you're able to push the pocket, you don't you don't have your secondary getting exposed quite as much you know what I mean so and that leads me into the the other point of weakness um, for the 2020 team and and kind of what I expect from the secondary going into 2021 obviously we're losing arguably our definitely our most experienced corner uh, probably our best corner uh, and Darion Kendrick obviously some some off the field issues there Uh, he is still enrolled at Clemson Uh, basically what I've What I've what I understand about the situation is that he's uh he he had some issues in the classroom and and there's really no way for him to transfer out. So the good news is is he's at least still in school. I I don't think he's going to be back on the team though. I haven't I haven't uh, picked that up so but nonetheless that that's going to mean Andrew Booth is going to play more. Uh, He's going to take over that field corner spot. Super athletic. Um, the, the one knock on Andrew Booth obviously last year is that he showed a bunch of flashes, but just a bunch of nagging injuries kind of kept him off the field. And the other thing is that, you know, playing press man, he was not very good. Uh, early on in the season against Wake Forest, uh, Sage Sherratt had, you know, got over the top of him a couple of times. Um, I can't remember the other guy's name, but he, he got beat two or three times in the opener against Wake. And then throughout the year, you would see where he would get beat, but he's just so athletic, he would make up. Like the one-handed pick against Virginia in the corner of the end zone, He's beat on that ball. If the ball comes out quicker and the ball's thrown further, yeah, that's a touchdown. But, you know, you underthrow it, he's able to close on it. All the tools are there for Andrew Booth. So I think just having him on the field more is going to is gonna be good for us because um, I think he has a higher ceiling than than DK did at the position, honestly. Just because DK had no interest in tackling or anything like that. He was just out there, you know, really to just be there and run around, run routes with you. And I think the wild card in this group is probably going to be Fred Davis, um, guy from Trinity Christian. Sid knows a lot about that. Uh, his teammate from high school, Miles Brooks, is over there on, uh, on the flats. But um, both both high four stars uh, out of high school, both both guys that are long uh, can run. And Fred Davis didn't play a ton last year, uh, but he did play enough where there is some film, and you saw, um, you know, that he. Again, kind of like Andrew Booth, he looks the part. The tools are there. You know, long rangey guy that, that's that's physical at the line of scrimmage wants to play in the boundary. Uh, so, so hopefully, uh, I'm hoping he'll be able to to take over there, because we this is a position where we have absolutely no depth. I mean, none. With Darion Kendrick gone, we're going to have Andrew Booth, Fred Davis. You have Mario Goodrich and Sheridan Jones, who are third and fourth year players, who you know, again, kind of like the defense line, have shown that they're probably not going to solidify a starting spot. And if they do, we've, we've got a bigger issue, if you know what I mean. Um, not that they're bad, but just that if you want to play playoff caliber football, you probably can't have them covering one-on-one on the outside. Uh, so I think I think having Fred Davis take over that spot or at least, at least push Goodrich and them uh, for snaps would be good. And then safety is another position where, again, we don't have a ton of depth. And what we do have is, you know, there's no superstar there. There's no guy that thinks, okay, as long as he's on the field, we got a shot. Uh, because, you know, Landon Zanders was a guy, little Troy Polamalu back there. Um, not that fast. Um, not that great in coverage. Uh, not a particularly good tackler. Um, but also you have to think this is a, a guy that's a true sophomore out there playing, you know in a shortened season 2021 you don't really know what you're going to get honestly but I feel like for him Jalen Phillips Joseph Charleston like those are guys that have to step up uh, the the one return from spring of this group was Andrew McCuba a guy from uh Austin Texas as a true freshman came in and apparently was just balling in all the scrimmage games uh, he was the guy that the coaches kept saying yeah he's he's going to be a good one uh well the I think like three days before the spring game that week leading up to it he uh He broke his arm somehow, so we didn't get to see him in the spring game. It was pretty disappointing. Um, And frankly, I don't know if it's going to hinder him in terms of lifting and and conditioning over the summer, but uh, he's a guy that I'm I'm intrigued by just because, like I said, I I don't see anybody at the safety or nickel spot that's truly, you know, going to win the job regardless of anything else. So I think he's going to have a chance to push for a lot of playing time in a position that otherwise is somewhat weak. Um, And the other thing is that you have, when you only have five scholarship corners, you got a guy like Malcolm Green, who played a ton in the nickel last year, especially in the last like five or six games, back half of the season. Um, And he was really good, honestly. I mean, Ohio State game, if we scrap that tape, he looked really good Uh, as a true freshman. So he didn't practice at all in the spring, had a little cleanup surgery. So again, with all positions out here, it just feels like you have guys that are kind of right there pushing for playing time and they're either not practicing or they're out with tracing and it it's, it's just been kind of a weird spring because you don't hear so much about, you know, guys have COVID and we're shutting the whole thing down, but you do hear about so-and-so's got tracing or so-and-so's, you know, they tweak something and they're out for a week, so it's, it's kind of frustrating in that sense, but you know, onto a more positive note, uh, obviously I think quarterback is a position where when you have the number one draft pick a guy that you know, I don't think there was ever any question from the time he started playing at Clemson that he was going to go number one. And then you replace him. You almost think there's got to be a huge drop off. But obviously, in the small sample size we saw of, uh, of, of DJ Uyunglele, I don't think there's going to be that big of a drop off. I do think, however, uh, this is pretty well documented that he's just not quite as polished as Trevor Lawrence was. If Trevor Lawrence showed up and you're like, yeah, he's he's exactly what they said he was but DJ, he comes in and you realize he's got, he's got a huge arm, you know, but, and he understands football well, but there's also the, the tendency, especially in the red zone um, where he can get a little bit, not inaccurate, but in the sense that he just has so much faith in his arm that he wants to try and push the ball into coverage or he tries to, you know, beat a guy to the spot with the ball. Uh, So I think for him, you know, the biggest thing that, that, Dabo Sweeney was talking about all spring was just just putting him in situations and trying to expose him so that way he can learn from it and not be exposed against Georgia or whoever else. Uh, so trying to trying to play catch up with him a little bit is what this spring's been about. But behind him, obviously, Tyson Famachan tore his uh, Achilles, ruptured his Achilles in the spring game. Uh, not that he's anything to write home about, but now our uh, our only – other scholarship quarterback that's supposed to be coming in the summer. Bubba Chandler is now uh, pretty much a first round mock draft guy for the MLB in June. So the odds of seeing that guy come on campus, very low. So we're left with a a former recruited walk-on Hunter Helms. And then obviously we've got another walk-on this year, Billy Wiles. So, um, you know, but obviously if you're, if you're playing games with a, with recruited walk-ons, there's, there's some issues there. And, and Clemson isn't a team that likes to go in the portal. Uh, the only guy that they ever kicked the tires on was Austin Kendall. He's from Charlotte, played at Oklahoma, uh, transferred to West Virginia and started a handful of games before he got uh, displaced as a starter. Apparently he's in Dallas working some corporate job and said he's not interested in you know coming to be a backup. So I think what you see here is what you get with DJ. Um, so if he gets hurt, Uh, things are going to get real sketchy real quick. Um, And obviously a running back again, you know, you lose Travis Etienne, you think, well, damn, there's going to be a huge drop off. But I think more of the the running back by committee. I think we honestly, when you look at our offensive line last year, they hindered Travis quite a bit. So he was much more of a receiver. Uh, But this year I think we're going to have a couple of different backs. I think Kobe Pace is probably the guy that, is going to end up taking over as the lead back. Obviously, Linjay Dixon was the guy that's been the, the primary backup uh, for the past three years. Um, he was a guy that probably could have transferred and definitely did think about transferring when ETN announced he was coming back for his senior year. Um, but he didn't. And now it looks like he might end up not being uh, the starter after all. But obviously, Kobe Pace is a little bit of a different back, more downhill, think like that, you know, that, before Bama went to the air raid, like those Glenn Coffey, you know, Mark Ingram, those kind of backs, the guys that are going to pound the A-gap, and if you're in their way, they're not going to try and run around you. Uh, he's more of that kind of guy. Probably doesn't have that extra gear. Um, but, you know, there, there's a guy behind him, and, and Will Shipley, a true freshman, uh, number one all-purpose back in the country, out of high school. Uh, he's in there, and, and the, the early returns on him are that, that he's very advanced. Uh, in terms of receiving and pass blocking, and they think they think a lot of him. Uh, so I'm I'm hopeful that uh, that we'll get to see him because he does add a little bit of a wrinkle to the room. Maybe maybe as a third down back, receiving, kind of doing some of the stuff that we we got into as Travis Etienne developed. You know, a better receiving game, and we started to use that. If we can keep that kind of stuff in the offense, those quick little pop passes and screens and stuff, uh, I think that opens things up for the receiving core, which. You know, if Justin Ross is back with full clearance, I think the receiving room is going to be another, you know, probably the strongest group as a whole on the entire team. Because Justin Ross, I think we know if he's back and he is, you know, what he was when he left, that's an elite, like, first-round type of receiver. A guy that, you know, is going to play in the boundary. He's going to play a lot in the slot. That's what they said. They They want to try and exploit matchups with linebackers and safeties and nickels. Uh, because he's by far the best route runner we've got on the team. Uh, not to mention that he's, he's big. He can go across the middle. He can win the one-on-one. Um, but we saw a lot of good things last year out of uh, EJ Williams, who just so happens to be from the same high school. So shout out central high school in Phoenix, Alabama. They're uh, we just got a pipeline of receivers coming out of there. Um, and there's actually a couple of 2022 and 23 prospects from there that are pretty damn good too. Uh, so, but I think EJ is probably going to be a guy that ends up more on the field side, maybe in the boundary. Um, but, you know, when you, when you look at what he did last year, just super lanky, uh, but runs good routes. He's tough, um, really good hands, which is basically you think Frank Ladson with that, that kind of speed, but Frank Ladson can't catch the ball. And Frank Ladson had a bunch of injuries last year, was out a lot uh, this spring, had surgery on his foot, something that kept him out a majority of the season last year. Uh, so he didn't practice at all. So you, you kind of wonder if there's any development there. Um, but I think the, the biggest one that we all want to see is, is Joe Angada. This is a guy that's a, that's a spring practice All-American three years in a row. They talk about, you know, when he was a freshman, he looked like Mike Williams when Mike Williams was, you know, just dunking on everybody. And then we've never really seen that in games. So last year had a tweaked ab Never really got going, but, I mean, physically you're talking about a guy that's like 6'3", 220, 225, running, like, legit 4'4 speed. Uh, so, I mean, you, when you think about the kind of guy that Justin Ross is, he could be another one of those if he's right. And, you know, frankly, we, we haven't seen that yet. Um, but, but a really deep room. Obviously, we added two guys uh, this, this spring, early enrollees, Dakari Collins from Atlanta, Westlake High School and then Bo Collins, who played with D.J. Uyunglele at uh, St. John Bosco. And both of those guys, basically, when you when you think of a Clemson receiver, you know that 6'3", 6'4", lanky, moves well, that's it. Uh, so you don't really know what to expect out of freshman receivers, especially at a deep position. You don't really know how much time they're going to get. Um, but they talk about both of them being – you know, pretty advanced just in terms of route running and understanding kind of the route concepts that you're running. And I think that's something you see more and more with guys that are, you know, playing seven on sevens. They're doing, they're doing a lot of different things where they're, in terms of scheme wise, they're better equipped to handle it and pick up a little bit quicker, especially if they're coming from an offense that's sort of similar, like Bosco certainly is. It's one thing to come out of an option offense in high school and try and learn to play receiver. Um, and then linebacker is another position that I think is probably going to be, uh, certainly, uh, aside from the defensive line, In um, the defensive line lacking a little depth, linebacker has good starters and good depth. Obviously, James Skowski's back for his 34th year of college football. Um, you know, at 55 years old, still out there, you know, putting his head down, just nailing people in playoff games, getting thrown out.
0: Got to feed um, the family
1: got to feed the fam. Um, but uh, obviously behind him, a guy that if you listen to the podcast last year, especially at the end of the regular season, you hear me talking about Levante Bentley, we got to get him on the field. Uh, well, because Skowski's 55 years old, they held him out of all the uh, the contact work in the spring. And uh, so that, mean, that meant Levante Bentley was our starting middle linebacker for all the scrimmages. He was getting all the work with the ones. Uh, they talk about, you know, just in terms of linebacker position being really, really hard under Brent Venables because he asked you to do so much and you got to be really good at it. That's why when you look at the guys, Clemson recruits, oftentimes at linebacker, it's more of a, more of a a player than a project, just in the sense that you're, you're talking about guys that, that have to be smart. They have to understand what's going on and know where to be. And we value that a little bit more than, you know, maybe the length and the speed. Um, So, but frankly, I think, I think all that kind of evens out just because you have the guys that if you know where to be and you can get there, you will. But sometimes if you're athletic enough, maybe you don't exactly know where you're going, but you just find the ball. Uh, So I think for a guy like Bentley, probably swimming a little bit mentally, but uh, I expect to see a ton of him. And then Kane Patterson and Keith McGuire uh, are back. They're probably going to, those guys are probably going to be more of more depth players, um, play a little bit behind Skowski and mostly at the wheel linebacker spot behind Baylin Spector. Uh, and then obviously a guy that we saw last year is more of an edge rusher um, would be – what's his name? Trenton Simpson, number 22, just kind of a freak out there on the edge where he certainly didn't know what the hell he was doing a lot of the time but was just athletic enough to find the ball. Uh, and I think for him kind of playing that Isaiah Simmons role where – You know, you're asked to play on the edge. You're asked to cover backs and tight ends. You're asked to kind of, you know, go back and and drop into kind of a safety where you're playing zone. Uh, So for a guy like that, it's especially difficult because you have so many responsibilities. You have to know three or four different positions and everything that goes into it. But, you know, first year players at linebacker typically don't play and he played a lot. He got thrown into the fire and honestly, he, he looked good as the season went on. He, you could tell he was starting to pick up on some things. So I think at linebacker, there's, there's the veterans that know what to do. You've got guys like Trenton Simpson and Levante Bentley that have shown the flashes um, that you want to see more of. And I think we're at a point defensively, whereas our, as a, as a defensive unit, we have all the makings of being really, really good. Um, you just kind of, Got to see how things shake out once the season gets going. Obviously, having the biggest game of your season, week one, yep. um, is, is is a little bit challenging, just in the sense that you don't have, you know, three or four weeks to to kind of work the kinks out, and then you get into conference play and, and and play your your big time opponents. You gotta you gotta have it right away. Uh, yeah. So there's there's some definite areas of concern uh, for Clemson and, and what we're gonna see in 2021. But obviously, again. If, if you have an elite quarterback and a defense that's serviceable in the ACC, you can go a long way. And I think that's probably exactly what we're going to get. Hopefully the defense will get more into that four, three base. Um, and we won't see quite as much of the, you know, the three man front where we can't set the edge and really control the run game. But, um, but yeah, honestly, I think it's probably more of the same from Clemson here.
0: Yeah. So uh, breakout players on offense and defense. What do you think?
1: Um, I think on offense, I'm going to go Kobe Pace just because he's a guy that, as a freshman last year, had, I want to say somewhere in the ballpark of maybe 25, 30 carries, really didn't play much. Um, and But when he did play, he was, he was getting carries. Uh, so I think for him, when you're talking about a guy that is probably going to take over as your number one option at running back, and in the spring game, the first drive, I mean – you know, he breaks one for 30-some-odd yards. He's running through people. He's able to get around the edge. You know, he lacks that burst that Travis has, but I think 99% of running backs in college football do. Uh, but I think for him, you know, behind a, a marginally improved offensive line, I think you could see him put up similar rushing totals to what Travis did just because he's not going to be worked out of the backfield as a receiver. When he's on the field, we're going to get him the ball. Um, and then – Defensively, I think you got to go with Andrew Booth, just because yeah. of what you saw last year, um, and then obviously the spring game—he's got another one-handed interception. I mean, he's just a freak athlete out there. You let those kind of guys roam around and hunt the ball; good, good things are going to happen. Uh, I think he's probably one of those players that'll that'll take some risk in coverage, um, and that's sort of the the thing I talked about with him—you know—kind of struggling in man coverage sometimes was because he would try to he would try to big boy everybody. Like he's a big guy, six-two you know, well over 200 pounds playing corner is, that's, that's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, so I think for him, he, he might rely on his athleticism and strength a little bit too much at times. Uh, but if he can stay healthy, um, he, he could, he could really be one. And then, you know, kind of piggybacking off that, the same could be said of Joe and Gata. the physical traits are all there. We right. hear about it in practice, but you just, you just got to see it on the field for, you know, a consistent, period of time before you think okay this is what they were talking about yeah
0: so uh what do you think the ceiling and the floor for this team is i mean we probably know what the ceiling is
1: but yeah i mean i think the ceiling is you beat georgia week one and you just let the rest of the season play out as it may um you know we haven't seen we haven't seen clemson really since 2018 where you go wire to wire without having you know two or three games where you're like oh shit you know, because in 2018, I mean, we had Texas A&M week two. Um, that ended up being, I think, maybe an eight and five team. You know, they weren't anything special, but Kellen Mond played out of his mind. Jamon Osmond was out there looking like, you know, Julio Jones. And frankly, when we were flip-flopping back and forth between Trevor and Kelly Bryant, we never got that consistency. Um, but really after that game, I mean, other than, other than y'all, Carolina putting up 35 on us at home, in a game where we just could not cover Devo or the tight ends or really anybody, you know, other than that, I mean, we just bludgeon people. So I think, I think this is probably going to be kind of, you know, in the mold of 2016 or, or 2017 or, you know, last year where you, you might have a game sneak up on you. Um, but I think for the most part, if you can get through Georgia with a win, there's just a huge sigh of relief and think, okay, well, let's just run this hoe back to the playoff. Yeah, uh, and so that's that's definitely your ceiling. Um, but the floor, I think, <clears throat> honestly, because I don't see anybody in the ACC taking a huge leap forward. Um, you know, a team like Pitt, Pitt had six guys that got drafted. You know, only one of them was a day two selection. So a lot of these guys were late round picks, but still you have draft picks off of off a team that really wasn't that great. Uh, you know, I think Georgia Tech's going to be improved, should be improved. Um, you know, a team like NC State that had a kind of a surprisingly good year last year, they might be a team that, you know, gives you a, a kind of a kind of a trap game, maybe. Uh, but I think the floor is, is maybe a couple of losses. You know, if DJ gets hurt, obviously then your floor really changes. Your floor goes to just survive in advance every week. Um, but I, I, I would I would say that if 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 we lost more than, you know, Georgia and an ACC game, then, then that would probably be the floor for sure.
0: Right. Yeah. Well, you heard it here first. Clemson is going to lose to Georgia, Georgia Tech, and South Carolina. So, who? I hope so.
1: <laughs> I hope not. Actually, I don't hope the first one. I hope they don't lose to Georgia. Obviously, Davini, what do you think?
0: What do I hope, or what do I think?
1: No, what do you I, think? Let's, let's just go ahead and give me your prediction, Week One. And that's early. Well, yeah, yeah com- we will revisit this because I've, I'm on record saying that I, I have very little faith that Clemson will win that game. Just because if you I get dominated in not, the trenches, it might look like Ohio State.
0: I'm not saying that it's gonna. I think it's gonna be a shootout.
1: It's either gonna be a shootout, or it's gonna be like. 17 to 20. There's, yeah. a, I feel like there's really no in-between.
0: Yeah. It's going to be a game of chess or it's going to be a shootout. I think it's going to be the best game in the regular season for sure.
1: I hope so. Kind of Rock- wish it was like Rock- week four where everybody could get right.
0: Yeah. Well, we'll see. Sound, I mean, Clemson sounds like they're going to be good again, unfortunately. They did lose, obviously, Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne, which is big. To the same that, team.
1: Whole, that whole defense coming back, no. Yeah, that's right. All eleven starters back on defense.
0: But hey, we'll see. We'll see how it
1: goes. It's not like Travis Etienne or Trevor Lawrence were any good anyway. So yeah, I mean, that's it's really true. not that big of a lawsuit. They're replaceable guys. So I mean, they went in the first round. They're probably reaches, honestly. Yeah,
0: they just played really well together. That's why they had the Jaguars had to draft them together.
1: Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. That's it. All right, well.